0: You know, in the food food business, it's a little bit it's a little bit tougher because of the large amount of control that the retail sector has. I mean, there's still if you get in with a, a chain like Blobs Blah or Sobies, I mean, those are big organizations, and they can really they can really become a big percentage of your sales very quickly if you have great success.
1: Today on Skew Food Talks, we're fortunate to have Eric Bosfeld with us. Eric leads the food and agribusiness mergers and acquisitions advisory practice at SDR Ventures, which is a middle investment bank based in Denver, Colorado. Eric works with clients both in Canada and the U.S. from his office in London, Ontario. So Eric, welcome to SKU Food Talks, where uh, we really try to help food producers and, and food processors grow their bottom line. And we know that that food producers and, and processors are often so passionate about what they do. They love making products, they love growing them, but we also have to remember that this is a business too. And uh, one of the realities a business can face is that it might be time to sell or, or even begin to position a business for sale. And I'm sure you can attest better than I that, that these are emotional and, and often can be difficult decisions for people, but that's the reality of, of operating a business. And if you want to maximize that opportunity, I think it's really important for people to, to understand uh, what they should do and when. So, so, Eric, I'd like to welcome you to Stew Food Talks. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Peter. All right. Why don't you tell us a bit about your, uh, your career? How did you get here?
0: Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, I would say, in a nutshell, it's not the path that most people that work in my industry have taken, that's for sure. My my background, actually, um, yeah, I have a, a couple of degrees in plant science, and I started my career as an agronomist, if you can believe that, and <laughs> uh, spent my uh, early years of my career working in Nova Scotia with uh, with crop producers, helping them. With with making recommendations on what seed to grow, grow, what fertilizer to use, how to all focused on you know maximizing productivity. And uh, my career kind of evolved into the crop input business. You know, companies that supply uh, fertilizer and crop inputs to uh, producers in eastern Canada. Got a series of promotions over the years, uh, and ended up in about 2006, I believe, as a general manager of the Agrimer Group of companies. This is a uh, a network of of joint ventures across eastern Canada that distribute crop inputs, uh, provide uh, professional application services and precision ag services, and so on. Um, as part of that role, I sat on the boards of many of the joint ventures. Uh, I was president of a couple of our operating companies. One was a um, a food process a food soybean processing business that was a a joint venture with Marabini Corp out of out of Japan, and through that through that role, we did a few mergers and acquisitions. We merged a couple of joint ventures. We um, we bought a couple of small companies through our JVs, and I really just really liked the deal making part of my role, quite frankly. Hmm. So in 2011, I started uh, & Associates, which was really a, a boutique management uh, consulting firm. And my primary focus uh, when I first got started was focusing with private equity groups that were interested in making uh, investments in ag and food-related businesses. And then, up and around two years ago, I uh, jumped on board with a firm uh, out of Denver called SDR Ventures, we mentioned, which is a middle-market investment bank. And now I lead their their food and agribusiness mergers and acquisitions. Uh, uh, practice across Canada and the U.S. Uh,
1: great, great! It sounds like I always find it interesting talking to people and and understanding, you know, how they got to where they are today. And uh, it's uh, it's not always the path that you might have uh, sort of thought would be in front of you at a time. But but for me, I think it's great that you have that practical experience, and I'm sure that your clients appreciate that you understand. Um, you know, what they're trying to do, not just the finance or financial side of it, but just the, you know, the, what they really love to do, which is producing or growing and, and that kind of thing. So it's great to have the practical experience.
0: Yeah. I, my dad always used to say, it's nice to talk to somebody who knows the difference between a, a gravestein and a Holstein. And that's kind of my background. So <laughs> well, um,
1: I, I'm glad that I qualify for that. So I will keep talking then. <laughs> <laughs> I that's a good. Yeah, one. okay I'll have to remember that one um so with you with the what you're doing today what what part of the role do you enjoy the most do you enjoy helping people get the business ready for sale do you enjoy making the deal or or perhaps there's some part of it that I don't understand that you really like better
0: well, I'll have to say, um, from an economic standpoint, I like closing deals uh, awesome. for sure. But from 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 what I really enjoy doing is I, I really do enjoy getting businesses ready for sale, um, you know. And I kind of break that into kind of two distinct categories. One is the kind of the the longer term get getting ready for a sale, where you're starting you're maybe three years out, and you know you're starting to think about what that exit might look like. Uh, there's lots of things that you should be really f- focused in on, mm-hmm. and then there's the near-term prep. You've made the decision to actually sell the business. Now you've hired myself for SDR Ventures, and and we're actually starting to position the business to put it out on the market. And I really enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's kind of an opportunity to look at the business from a you know a completely different viewpoint. Um, we put we put a comprehensive document. Together called a SIM or the Confidential Information Memorandum, and you know that is uh, that's definitely an enjoyable part of of my work for sure.
1: Okay, interesting. And I'm sure that uh, for for someone like me who's not in the world that you work in all the time, I have this perception of you people making deals that you've got three or four phones on the go. You're switching back and forth. You're dealing with buyers. You're dealing with sellers. You're sort of working it like that um, and with that sort of you know cutting the deal that you referenced is is what you you know that you get a, a charge out of that and so am I, is that reality or is there a lot a lot of parts that i don't understand
0: it's actually not not reality at all for sure um i would say what you're describing is a little bit more of a business broker you know a business broker typically represents you know a portfolio of businesses that they list through their, you know, through their online and offline channels and connections. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of smaller businesses that will use a business broker to help them sell the business. Um, you know, there's some of these popular websites that you can subscribe to, and and that's kind of a little bit more of a description of of a way a business broker would work. We we actually are very limited in the number of clients that we take on at any given time. You know, I, I'm maxed out pretty much, you know, with two, two deals on the go at any given time. It's very intense. We roll up our sleeves. We do a lot of strategy work with the, with the owner and the management team to, to make sure that we've really uh, done our homework and can represent the company and explain how, uh, the opportunity fits for a potential buyer and uh, and and are very strategic in our approach in terms of who we who we present the, the material to and who we we approach as potential buyers right so it's it's a it's a it, it's a little bit different than than what you describe for sure mm-hmm. um, some days I wished it was I could have all kinds of deals going on at the same time but the reality is is you're not really doing the the type of service that that i think is necessary
1: right and to maximize the value you have to do the, the work up front and and do the work to find the right the right buyer the right partner Yep,
0: absolutely all
1: right and so if i kind of take you back more to the beginning now um so i kind of jumped to the end about making the deal but um when you first talk to somebody um about selling his or her business how does that conversation usually go
0: well i guess that there's probably um a number of different ways they can go uh it depends a little bit on the mindset of the owner and kind of where they are in their thought process about about what they want to do i per i personally prefer those conversations to be very early on and start to build a relationship with the uh with the potential client this is a big decision for these individuals and you want to have an advisor that you have some some relationship with so i often start off with a lot of discussion about how what their options are um if they do decide to hire uh, myself and sdr ventures you know help them understand how the process would work you know um, what, uh, what their involvement is, what our involvement is, what our expectations are, what the timeline is, and so on. So those are, those are often very early conversations as well. And, and during those conversations, we can start to give them a few uh, tips and ideas of things that they should start to think about to make the business more marketable.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's the, the financial part of this, the work that you do in terms of the value and 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 that kind of thing but are there different i'm sure you come across people with different mindsets when they go into this uh, this stage in their uh career or in the evolution of their business so um are there things that you kind of advice that you would give to someone who's sort of at that point right now where they're thinking well maybe it's time that i need to make that phone call or explore my options are there is there some sort of Advice you would give them,
0: yeah again you know it starts with a working relationship uh some mutual trust, and uh you know I always take the approach that uh if i if I have an opinion on something that they i think they could do better uh to make their business um more marketable i'll you know i'll I'll point that out and uh there's a lot of things around uh, concerns around customer concentration, product line concentration that um, we need to understand early on. Um, those are those aren't really necessarily subjective considerations, but even something simple as you know the last time they updated their website, um, you know how how, uh, how uh, robust are their IT systems and are the policies in place for for you know, how they, how they operate the business. These are all important components Mm -hmm. that people need to get in place, um, you know, early
1: on. Right. And to, to really position the business, I guess, you would say, right? That's right. And I'm sure that when you make some of these suggestions, you get different kinds of responses from people.
0: (laughs) Sure. I mean, some people are looking for, for (laughs) objective input and others aren't.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yep. Um, so when, when should a person start to think about selling their business?
0: Well, there's some people that actually, you know, are out there that build, build a business to sell. And so it's they're you know, they're thinking about selling as they're building the business. You know, those are the kind of serial entrepreneurs, you know, those types of individuals, you know, start thinking about it at day one. But at the very least, I think if you've built a business and you've, you know, you've established some value and you maybe are looking at an exit or sale as, as the ultimate uh, outcome, you probably should start to, to position the business about three years before you, you actually look at a, completing a transaction okay well that's great advice. some some businesses are are ready, you know sooner than that and some mm-hmm. need more time than that but probably three is a good little time
1: okay no that's i think that's great advice for people because it is something that uh you to maximize it you you want to give it the right amount of time so um when, when i was thinking about having the conversation with you um about sort of you know this this topic I was thinking of different things that in you know, my experience would be similar. And and one one of the things which I thought of was about selling a house. And I'm sure most of our listeners have bought or sold a house at some point in time. Um, and I know from our own experience that, you know, sometimes we believe the house is worth more. Uh could be the emotional attachment that we have to it, you know, that our kids' heights are written on the door frames or uh, that we've put a lot of our own sort of blood and sweat and tears into making improvements to the house or, or we've invested money, you know, in a new kitchen or whatever. Um, first, I guess for me is, is it a fair comparison that, you know, sort of getting thinking of the the selling of a house is, is a fair comparison to selling a business. And then, and second, um, how do you help people really see the real value? I mean, you, sometimes you see real estate listings and you think, how could they ever think that their house is worth that much money? So, so I'm just curious about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's similar. Obviously it's a lot more complicated and a lot more moving parts. And like you said, you know, often people have bought and sold houses, you know, I don't know how many times the average person moves over their lifetime, but, um, in a lot of cases with, with, uh, private businesses, it's kind of a one shot deal. They maybe haven't done it before. Maybe they have some experience buying other businesses and integrating them into their their own business. But usually, it's for most people, it's a it's a once in a lifetime type transaction, and it's probably their most important transaction um, that they will ever make. Usually, you know, with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, all of their net worth, if not if not all of it, most of it. Is tied up in the business, so it's a pretty it's a pretty critical transaction. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: So regarding you know the real value of the business, um, you know that's a very important part of our discussions. uh, Very early on, we we actually um, will do a professional valuation of the business based on other precedent transactions, uh, comparables in the in the industry that maybe have access to the transaction multiples that they may have traded at. And it's important to make sure that um, we are on the same page as our clients. Um, if they have a, if they have a, an elevated view of what they think their business is worth and we don't think the market will bear it, then we have to tell them you know, upfront about that very early
1: on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that uh, it, it's only successful for all parties if, if that is, something you talk about up front and, and you get a you know you you find the right range that you both can agree on so
0: right and I mean sometimes it's normal to have a you know a, a perceived gap but then once we you know once we present you know how we we came up with our you know value range we need to make sure that there's there you know it's it's an acceptable trigger trigger point for our client and right. and And they sometimes will say, "Okay, well, that's really your professional opinion, then you know I'd be satisfied with that. Of course, we always shoot for the stars right sure. i mean the the objective is to exceed our clients' expectations on value if we can
1: right, okay, So if I continue using my selling a house analogy, there we all know there's things that the uh the real estate people would tell you to do ahead of time, like cleaning the yard or um, you know, putting a fresh coat of paint on something or maybe renovating a bathroom uh, that would help you increase the value or ensure that your house does actually sell. Um, are there similar things that uh, that these business owners should be doing?
0: Absolutely. And that's why I say you should start, you know, well before you plan on actually conducting a, a transaction. You know, I could give you a long list, but, um, you know, some ideas that um, that that may help your listeners are things like you know reviewing your IT systems and making sure that um, you know everything is up to date. You've got uh, modern ways of tracking inventory and receivables. You've got your policies in place in terms of of uh, the whole HR side of the business. You've got a written business plan. Um, there's other things like. Um, that take a little bit longer and more organized. That sometimes help improve the marketability of the business is, is separating the real estate from the actual operating business. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that makes it much more marketable. Hires around the management team and the bench um, and uh, training—you know—all those things not, don't necessarily increase the value of the business, but they make them—they make the business uh, more saleable.
1: Right, and that's that's certainly a, a great list that you provided. I was writing them down as you were listing them off, and, uh, and I think uh, for any of our business owners out there, I think that's certainly a great list to start with. And one of the questions that I was thinking about is, is given your experience, what percent of the real value uh, is compared to the perceived value with clients?
0: You know, it's sometimes it's, it's uh, it's fairly close, uh, but probably more often um, than not, they're, they're starting they're, they're starting with an elevated value of or perception of real value. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for an example, I'm I'm in some early discussions with a potential client right now. Um, I haven't reviewed the business in detail, or I haven't even reviewed the financials. We just had some conversations, and he's given me some ballpark numbers of what of what the business is doing and how quickly it's growing and so on. But, um, you know, my initial perception based on looking at some similar type transactions uh, in the marketplace, you know, I kind of think it's going to likely trade for 12, you know, 10 to $12 million. Um, he had a, an outside business value evaluator that came in at 15 and he, and he wants 20. So, you know, that's actually not not that atypical. Now I did review the techniques that the business valuator used and the technique they used, you know, does tend to um, inflate the value. They used a the discounted cash flow method and it's really sensitive to the assumptions that you make. So if you make aggressive assumptions, it spits out a big number. Sure. If you make conservative assumptions you know it's uh it's going to spit out a lot smaller numbers so
1: right.
0: you know every every technique has its, you know pluses and minuses, and uh you know it's uh it's important to understand where where the where this some of these numbers are coming from
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm sure that yes, because you're looking at sort of trying to project something to make it to so someone understands the value of what they're getting and uh and that that can be a challenge no different than it is to build a business plan and do some forecasting it's it's all the crystal ball has not been perfected yet
0: yeah just to, to add to that peter uh you know the sellers looking through the windshield and uh, the buyers looking through the rear view mirror i mean what has <laughs> the business done is where is going to be the basis of the, the purchase price right. um or the offers what the business you know, can do is, is the challenge and getting buyers to to uh to consider that is, you know, is part of a, a big part of our role.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things we've talked about some of the aspects early on, how, if, if a business owner is listening, how do they find somebody who does what you do?
0: You know, it comes from a lot of different places. Sometimes it comes from you know their accountant or their um, you know maybe their uh, their um, tax firm that they're using to to for state planning or their lawyers um, you know i guess it's it's hard to really say that there's really you know a single best way to find a, an advisor to work with um I think the, the key thing is obviously finding somebody that you trust and that understands your business. Right. Those, you know, when you have those, you know, and obviously, you know, experience is you know, part of the table stakes, but mm-hmm. you know, if you have somebody you trust and somebody knows, knows your, your industry, your business, I think those are the two key factors that they should be f- focusing in on.
1: Mm-hmm. True and i'm sure they could call you if you uh if they were looking for some help right
0: absolutely yeah i mean welcome that and
1: and i always take the
0: approach peter i mean conversations uh, are are cheap i'm happy to uh you know give people my opinion on whether or not we're the right group or the right person if i'm the right person to to take the lead we you know we turn down a number of different uh, engagements, because we sometimes don't think we're the right, we're the right party. It's all about focusing on uh, delivering value. And if, and if I think we can, then, uh, then, then I'm happy to put together a proposal.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. No, it's interesting. and I, And, you know, when I was, I was thinking about um it, with your experience um finding the best fit with clients and i think we we've, we've really already talked about that a little bit you talked a lot about trust and you talked about where you have a thorough understanding of their business and and where you can have that good working relationship are there any other characteristics that help with finding that best fit or or are those really it
0: well i think um no those are the those are the really the main the main things um you know you have to have um, people that have access to good resources as well and um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of firms out there that are that are less resourced than s d r ventures but we're also not a we're also not a goldman sachs either right so i mean it's you know finding the right fit is is a little bit dependent on the size of your business and and, and that type of thing as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important with different components of business. Whether you're talking about your customers or your suppliers, it's finding the ones that are the right fit with with your business. And um, when you when you think about the you know this transaction or the process to get to a transaction. Um, you mentioned the average being about three years. Are there different things that impact that, whether it's the the size of the business, the market the the geography, or is it or is it really just everyone is unique and you just go through the process
0: Well, I think you know I would break down that three years into two different components. one is the actual you know getting ready for the sale um, The second part is, now you've made the decision, you're gonna hire somebody like us uh, to run a competitive process and and put the business out to market and you're ready to, to make that sale. Our typical engagements are about anywhere from on the very shortest end, around six months, to about a year, typically. And that's about how long it takes to get all the uh, the data room set up, the uh, marketing material, the buyer's list. Uh, we conduct um, what I'll say we call seller's due diligence. So we fully examine the business as if we were a buyer to identify all the barriers that we think uh, could kill a deal and, and start to address all of those issues before we even go to the market, and because uh, we want to have, we want to have a plan in place for those uh, inevitable barriers that buyers are going to run into when they conduct their, their due diligence, and we want to have a plan in place. So that that part of it is about six to twelve months. Right. You know, the other part, you know, getting ready and 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 kind of positioning your business, like I said, that's, you know, and you haven't actually put it out in the market. You may be starting to collect potential. Um, uh, buyers from your discussions at trade shows and so on. I'm starting to build a list of potential candidates but you know you haven't you haven't pulling the trigger and, and actually um, engaged with you know in meaningful discussions with any of them at that stage.
1: Right, okay. And Are, are there any markets that are like right now that are people are where it the Where things happen quicker because it's an industry that people want to be in or or does that do those trends change or is it relatively constant
0: yeah they they change I mean there's definitely a strong interest in you know food related companies that um you know kind of are along the whole better for you theme and there's mm-hmm. there's a very long list of potential buyers you know for people innovative companies and, um, innovative products and, you know, rapidly growing, uh, businesses, but it's pretty, it it tends to be more, uh, business centric rather than industry centric, if I could say it that way. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, you can have two businesses in the same, same industry, you know, one's one struggling and the other's thriving. And, uh, the, the reality is the one that's, uh, thriving is very conducive to a process like ours where we create some healthy competition to find the right buyer, uh, whereas the one that's, you know, struggling, you know, may have a very short list of potential candidates that that may, uh, may be, uh, you know, a reasonably uh, suitable type
1: buyer. Mm-hmm. And would you say that the the relationships that they have with their customers. So if it's a food business processing or producing business, that the relationships that they have with retailers are one of the important components to how you value that business.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I mentioned earlier, um, having customer diversity is definitely a value builder. Um, Companies that have a very high percentage of their sales to one customer or to even a small set of customers, it, you know, create more risk for a potential new buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, on the impact of, of the value of the, the business, should, should they end up, you know, losing that customer or losing a portion of the business with that customer. So, um, good customer diversity drives value for sure. And those, the depth of those relationships also drives value.
1: All right. Well, that's interesting because uh you know, I, our experience at SKU Food is that we come across a lot of businesses who put so much focus on that innovation on the front end or product development and production, but then they think just because they have a great product that it's going to sell and and we know the reality of this marketplace is that that's not true and we see great products that aren't successful because they don't have that depth of uh, relationship with the customer, or as you say, the diversity, where if you've got, you know, a too big a percentage of your sales with one and you, and something happens and all of a sudden 30 or 40% of your volume becomes, you know, disappears, then um, it's, so it's important and it's interesting to, to learn that. So.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, it's like, it's like whatever industry you're in, you know, the customer base and the, and the, the history are, you know, absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the food, food business, it's a little bit, it's a little bit tougher because of the large amount of, um, control that the retail sector has. I mean, there's still, if you get in with a, a chain like, Blah Blahs or Sobeys I mean those are big organizations and they can really they can really become a big percentage of your sales very quickly if you have great success and it's a it's a bit of a challenge.
1: Mm -hmm. It is and but I do believe that as the market is changing evolving that we're getting back to a place where there are more options for people to explore and I think that you know, as we talked earlier about getting your business ready for sale, one of those things is your customer and and trying to perhaps make some inroads into some of the new channels, whether it's online or maybe special right. that are growing and that kind of thing, too, to reduce that risk of dependence on on one of the major retailers. And we know there's never a contract, so <laughs> it's uh, right. It's probably it's definitely something to consider. Um, absolutely when one of the things that also that I was considering when I was thinking about this is that um, when a person makes the decision and, and, and starts the process to, to sell a business and we've talked about some of the timeframes but how do you help them manage that balance between uh, running the business doing the things that you're suggesting that they need to do to to drive the value and then also doing the actual work with you on the transaction. How do you balance those two with them? Well, um, it's a challenge.
0: There's no doubt. And anybody that says that it isn't going to be a distraction is probably, you know, not being completely straight with you because it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, Part of it is the uh, is making sure you've got the right the right management team around you that you can that you can certainly you know delegate some of the, the operational side of the business to them while you're in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know there's lots of businesses out there that uh, that decide to do it do it themselves and they don't wanna they don't wanna bring in an outside party to help them with facilitate a transaction. They think they've got the right buyers identified. Mm. Um and in that case, you know, it is a it is a, a huge distraction. When you hire somebody like SDR Ventures, you get a team of about three people that are uh, have rolled up roll up and that roll up their sleeves and you know, help with the entire process from beginning to end, from the initial strategy of how to how to market the business, you know, right through to the close of the transaction. And I'll say even beyond that, um, you know, with any post transaction adjustments or, you know, issues that come up, you know, we continue to work with the clients past that as well. So, okay. you know, one of the advantages of, you know, not to make this sound like a, a sales pitch, but one of the advantages of bringing an outside advisor is it does allow you to stay more focused on the business operations. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing you want to do is have, you know, lose a customer or, uh, um, you know, delay a product launch or something like that because you're too busy you know talking to buyers and answering answering their questions and so
1: on-hmm all right and one of the things which I think about with this process is confidentiality, and obviously you have to deal with that in terms of customers and employees, investors, lending institutions um it it must be important for you to make sure that information is shared with the right people at the right time.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, confidentiality is a, is a, you know, a core aspect of, of the, the the entire uh, process for sure. Inevitably, you know, if you are starting to go out to buyers and, you know, even if you have an NDA in place, that market information is starting to get out there and there's a risk associated with that. Um, That's one of the reasons why you, when you do start the process, you want to run a very tight process and make sure, you know, you're moving at a quick pace and it's not stretching on and on and on for extra months that, uh, that aren't necessary because that just increases the, the probability that, you know, maybe some key staff find out or, you know, a competitor finds out or customer finds out and they start making, uh, you know, business related decisions based on their, their anticipation that the business is going to sell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to keep the pace of the process you know, up and, uh, and moving, moving quickly is important, but um, you know, having a, a frank conversation with people that need to share information, whether it's key staff, um, on how critical it's to, it is to, to keep this confidential. You know, is usually the way you have to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, along with you know, you know, a well-tested confidentiality agreement that yes, you get people to sign. You're gonna have the lawyers involved. <laughs> um well you know it's uh it, it's one of those things that they're difficult to enforce but if you have a strong agreement and have people's understandings of, of how sensitive things are then usually then usually you don't have a lot
1: of problems that's right that's right now we've talked a lot about the the, the different you know pieces to to put this puzzle together but um if you were to sum up um you know what what the value is of bringing an advisor such as yourself into the transaction. One of the things you mentioned was uh, allowing the business owner to focus on the business while you do the work that you're doing. What are some of the other um, areas where you really see the value for the business owner to bring someone such as yourself into it?
0: Um, I think the other, the other big one, Uh, Besides being allowing the management team to focus on continuing to run the business during the process is um, Creating that healthy competition, you know, one of the things that we excel at is managing multiple conversations simultaneously between multiple buyers to kind of move it through a process Um, if you looked at our process, you know an example of of an engagement that I'm involved in right now Um, we started with 300 potential buyers, you know, about maybe about 10% of those were strategics or industry players, um, that we identified the other 90% were private equity firms, family offices, uh, uh, private investors. We, we narrowed that down from 300 to about 80 that signed NDAs and, and reviewed our confidential information memorandum. We managed that those 80 uh, people that showed initial interest, you know, through all their Q and A, um, all the the discussions that they had to decide whether or not they wanted to bid on the business. 14 ended up bidding on the business. We met with nine of them. And now, as of today, we're we're in final negotiations with one party. So, wow. healthy competition for a marketable business gives you, gives your the the owner, or our client, uh, choices.
1: Right. And
0: choices give you opportunities to negotiate uh, the best terms and conditions. And it's not always price. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's fit, and other times it's, uh, um, you know. Uh, ongoing roles for, for the management team or the employees. There's a lot of factors that go into choosing that right uh, that right buyer. Um, and but but a little bit of process organized uh, chaos, I'll say, you know, on our part usually, you know, will help create a situation where um, we can present some some very you know solid choices for our clients right and that's ultimately it. it's their decision yeah
1: that's right and and it's well i'm sure a lot of our listeners would would like to think about that many businesses being on a potential buyer list and and then really doing the work to find the right one and and you mentioned there about really finding the right buyer in the eyes of the seller and and i'd love to have a chance to to get you back on skew food talks where we could that in more detail because there's so much to this that i think our listeners would really love to uh, to learn more about that and and maybe getting to that point about the deal so if you'd like to uh, join us another time we'd love to have you back
0: all right welcome the chance
1: Thanks. all right well eric i really want to thank you for joining us on skew food talks uh, we've talked a lot about some of the different uh, components of getting a business ready to sell, and uh, I really value your opinion. Your not opinion, but your experience and your knowledge of it. It sounds like uh, there's, you know, it's such a, as you say, maybe a one-time deal for a business owner, and uh, and finding the right solution for them to. To maximize the value and, and maximize their satisfaction with the, the process and and the end transaction, it's a it's a big deal, and uh, it's it's sounds really like very interesting work. I think uh, if I wasn't trying to help people build better relationships with their customers, I might want to try to understand this a little better. But I guess I'm I've made yeah. my path, so I'll stick with it. <laughs> if our That's listeners good. want to get a hold of you, Eric, how uh, what? What's the best uh, contact information to share with them?
0: Yeah, so they can um, email me at eBosveld. so just my first initial and my last name, uh, at sdrventures.com, and uh, they want to call me, and I'd welcome that as well. The number is 226-777-3078.
1: All right. That's great. And, uh, and also for people listening, I mean, they can always contact me at uh, Peter at skewfood.com or my number is 902-489-2900. And I'd certainly be happy to uh, pass that contact information on. So, Eric, I want to really thank you for joining us on Skewfood Food Talks, where we're committed to helping suppliers grow their bottom line.
0: You've been listening to SKU Food Talks with Peter Chapman and Gary Morton. If you have a comment or question about this episode, please email podcast at skewfood.com. That's podcast at skufood.com. To find out more about how SKU Food can help your food business's bottom line, visit skewfood.com That's skufood.com.